This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now by now you've probably already heard me singing the praises of microdosing and talking about the benefits I've experienced. If not, just know that all sorts of people, myself included, are microdosing to help with insomnia, anxiety, pain, workout recovery, and so much more. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level dose of THC to help you feel great without getting high from just one microdose. It's like the sweet spot between CBD and THC that gives you the benefits of both. A greater sense of calm, a mood lift, and a good night's rest. Microdose gummies are legal everywhere in the United States. And they're made with high-quality, organic ingredients, infused with real, organ-grown berries. They're a tasty treat that helps me wind down at the end of a long day. It's a win-win. So what are you waiting for? Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now, back to that spooky stuff. Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. And that was another listener-submitted theme. A new take on our original by the talented artist Jacob Stark. Thanks, Jacob. 
and thank you for joining us here this evening. And welcome back, folks, to another installment of Monsters Among Us. Now, tonight, we're going to do things just a little bit different. We're still on hiatus, in between seasons, if you will. And in the interest of putting content out, while still managing to get a little bit of relaxation in, we're going to keep things kind of laid back tonight. I have some great calls lined up for you guys. Some pretty interesting stuff. But we're not going to go heavy into the deep dives. No research, no clips, nothing like that. Just good old-fashioned phone calls. Beginning this evening, in the state of Massachusetts. Christina, welcome to the program. Hi, Derek. This is Christina calling. I'm from Massachusetts, from a little town that's southeast of Boston in the Bridgewater Triangle area. I had a lot of paranormal experiences happen in my home, I would say on and off my entire life. I grew up in my grandmother's house, an old Victorian house from the 1800s. Since my grandmother bought it in the 60s, everybody had experiences, not just me, but I was trying to work up to a really scary thing that happened to me in um, 1999. Actually, it was 2000. I was um, 18. I had just turned 18. It was very frightening experience. I still to this day don't know what happened, why it happened, but activity was starting to act up in the summer of 2000. I have two younger sisters that are about seven or eight years younger than me, so at the time, one was 11, one was 12, and I was 18. And the activity was just really starting to act up. I mean, there had always been things happening in the home, but this was like starting to really, you know, go overboard. Things being thrown you know, from the walls, footsteps, you know, sounds of someone running, name calling all the time, voices, like mocking voices. I would think it was my grandmother calling me and it wouldn't be her, things like of that nature. So what happened was one night I was outside walking around, jogging up and down my driveway. It was only seven o'clock at night. It just started getting dark. Actually, it was more like around eight o'clock. It was in July. The weather was fine, no no rain, nothing. It was beautiful out. Um, We were babysitting my little cousin. She was two at the time. I had just put her down to bed, so she didn't have any naps. She was so tired. Five minutes later, she's screaming, 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 crying. So I go into the room, you know, wondering how she could be up because she was up all day. I try to calm her down, and she just keeps sitting up and showing me her finger. I thought there was something wrong with her finger. I kept saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she kept bouncing back up and pointing her finger out. So I thought that she had like a cut on her finger and I kept saying, there's nothing wrong with your finger, there's nothing wrong. And she just kept doing it and screaming with her finger pointed out. And then it dawned on me that she was pointing at something in the corner of the room, right near where the heater is. She was just pointing at it. And it was just, you know, nothing there. And I said, there's nothing there. And there's nothing there. And I kept saying that, trying to calm her down. And she would not lay down. She just kept screaming, jumping up and pointing at the corner. And then all of a sudden, I can't explain it. It felt like a, like a realization. I said, oh, my God, it's them. And it was like something just, I don't know. I got so scared and I got frightened to death. And it just felt like I was being assaulted. But, you know, I, I didn't have any cuts on me or anything. So I grabbed her, try to get out of the bed. My jogging sneakers had me tangled in the sheets. So, you know, I'm trying to get out. I'm 
running up the stairs there's like a little like staircase going up to out of the room it's about four steps so I run up the stairs you know I'm screaming because I'm so scared and she's screaming it just felt like a, like like an attack like they were attacking us so she runs ahead of me and I'm screaming and as I'm screaming all of a sudden I look down and my mouth is like opened outstretched it's like I can almost see it and I had this hot air blew through me and I heard a demon howl come out of my mouth and it wasn't my scream I was screaming at the same time and this thing it was like like a horror movie like like you would hear a demon going raw that's exactly what it did and it was horrible and it came out of my mouth with such force it blew through me and I fell on the, like flat on the ground and I had a tan. I was so dark from the, the tan this summer. My blood was drained out of me. I was white as a sheep. My sister heard the howl. She came running. Oh, my God, what was that sound? My other sister was frightened to death. She ran out of the house thinking that I was possessed or something. And all I kept saying was, oh, my God, it came out of my mouth. It came out of my mouth. I didn't lose consciousness or nothing, but I, it went through me and it came. It screamed out of my mouth and it was horrible. I couldn't believe it happened. I'm like, I'm like, is this fake? Is this real? You know, I was so upset because I'm like, what do they like? What did they do that to me for? I, I still to this day, you know, after that happened, I never really had that many attacks again. I was really scared the whole night. I was shaking. I felt sick to my stomach and I was so pale and I had to leave. I left the house for a couple of weeks to go stay with my dad. And when I came back to this day, I still, I live here right now on and off. I live with my grandmother, but I'm staying here right now for a couple of years. Nothing ever happened again, really. You know, I've looked all over the internet and trying to find out if anything like this has happened to anybody else. And I haven't found anything like that uh, as far as, you know, something scream like, you know, coming out of your mouth and howling and stuff. I know that doesn't happen very often. So I just figured I, I would tell you my story and see what your, in you know, input is on it. And if you can come up with an illogical explanation, you know, I'd love to hear it because I'm hoping that maybe I imagine it because <laughs> it's kind of a scary thought. But I love your podcast. It's amazing. I've been binge listening to it. And I think it's great that you give people an outlet that they can call and, you know, just get things off their chest, you know, different paranormal things or even cryptids because, you know, it can be really, when it's happening, it can be awful. And I was so upset when it was happening. I didn't know if I was losing my mind. No one would listen to me. It's a horrible thing. And it, it's nice to have an outlet to just express yourself and you know, and, and just talk about what happened. And if, if some, somebody's going through that experience right now and they don't know what to do because you can't see it and how are you going to fight it, you know, just just have hope. And the most thing I can say is, like, the, it seems like the more scared you are, the worse things get. I think it's like they feed off your fear. So just try not to be scared and try to stand up to it. That would be my advice. But thank you so much, Derek. I love your podcast. But thank you so much. And um, bye. They feed off your fear. Thank you, Christina. You know, maybe that's why skeptics don't have experiences. If there's no fear, there's nothing to feed on. You might be onto something there, Christina. And as for the two voices at once, that ability is synonymous with two different groups of people. There are certain Tibetan monks out there that can hum several notes at once, creating a chord, if you will. And the other group, those said to be possessed by demons or the devil, 
some evil force. But we'll save those deep dives for another day. Thanks again, Christina, for sharing the entry. Now, folks, if you do have a story, a true story that you'd like to share, simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-NIGHT. Now, next up, we venture to the peaks and valleys of the state of Colorado. Ethan, welcome to the program. Hi, my name is Ethan Miller. I live in Denver, Colorado. Me and my brother went on a backpacking trip. When was that? August 2nd and August 3rd of 2022. So towards the end of summer break, we decided to go, just the two of us, up to a place called the Flat Tops Wilderness Area near Meeker in uh, Colorado. It's a pretty remote area, very mountainous, of course, and, well, not a lot of people around. But yeah, so we went up there, went up towards the ridge, and you go up and over down into a valley to go where there's uh, multiple ponds and lakes and stuff. We saw a few few people coming back off of the trail, but no one in the actual valley where you stay. And as we were coming up and over the ridge, some weather rolled in, so huge rainstorm, which would explain why everyone was eager to get off the mountain. But basically, this rainstorm comes through, you know, no issues. Uh, We got rain gear on, and we coming down into this, uh, this valley, and like I said, don't see anyone, no sign of anyone else. You know, we're just continuing on walking, go past a few lakes, a uh, few uh, few streams and stuff like that, no issues at all, until we finally come to a campground that we decided on because it was getting late in the day. It was next to a big giant lake, and we rounded up over the top of a hill and went down a little bit. And, you know, there's a nice campground there. And the first thing that I pretty much noticed, me and my brother, was that right next to the, the campground, the flight area where there was a fire ring, was a very strange looking divot in the ground. It wasn't too big, probably about, I'd say maybe 10 feet across, uh, maybe 15 or so. But it looked like a pretty circular, pretty, uh, you know, pretty symmetrical, honestly. It looked like a meteor or something had hit a small meteor like hundreds of years ago. But, uh, you know, grass and a few boulders here and there, nothing out of the ordinary. So we decided to camp right next to it, pretty much on the rim. And we're looking for firewood, but of course it had just rained. So, you know, it's uh, getting kind of late and everything's wet. And I stumbled across a blue tarp, what looked like kind of tucked underneath a log facing away from our campground and picked it up. And I noticed it was actually a tent, a blue tent that had been torn and looked like a little singed as well which was very strange, of course, because, you know, you wouldn't pack in a torn tent and it would be very strange to have it torn or ripped unless, you know, you got attacked by a bear or whatever, which isn't out of the ordinary for Colorado, but it would be a little rare. So, you know, we don't think much of it. We're like, all right, well, it's just trash. Let's just pack it out. So, yeah, we stay the night, you know, couldn't get a campfire up because everything was wet. Uh, Stay the night, you know, uh, sleep, you know, nothing out of the ordinary happens next morning we have to get up and go to a stream to get water and you know during morning business and we come back to camp 
And the first thing we both notice is a white, wide-brimmed hat kind of towards the center of the, the circle. Of course, you know, we would have noticed it either the night before scrounging for wood or, you know, the morning of because all of our stuff was pretty much wet and we left it out there in the sun to dry. And, you know, me and him were like, well, maybe we brushed over it or maybe it blew in on the wind. And we were like, all right, well, this is certainly kind of, you know, a bit strange uh, considering there's a torn tent here and we just found that hat. But again, we don't think nothing of it. You know, we're not entirely convinced at this point. We're like, all right, well, just another piece of trash to pack out. And hey, maybe, you know, our mom can, can wear it or something. Maybe she would, she's looking for a hat. So we pack it out and, you know, don't think much of it. But yeah, at this point in time, we're kind of, you have to sneak up and around towards the end of the valley here and kind of go up on along the ridge. Anyway, we're walking out of this valley and uh, the trail leads up kind of follows a ridge up to the top of the flat tops and of course you know the flat tops are pretty well known for Colorado at least uh, if you go backpacking quite a bit and they're pretty popular because I mean you know flat top mountains there's no trees up there pretty much all just grass gorgeous yeah anyway so you know we're walking along just enjoying the day it's nice and sunny you know not too many clouds and eventually, after walking for, I'd say, about two or three miles on the flat tops, we see a white tent, you know, and this is like an outfitter's tent, the kind that, you know, someone uh, who is hunting or whatever would uh, bring up on horseback. But, uh, you know, we don't see a horse and nor do we see any signs of anyone living there. But nevertheless, we walk up to it and, you know, we're like asking, you know, hello, is anyone in there? And there's no response at all. But yeah, no footprints around or anything like that. And we were like, all right, well, you know, hunting's pretty popular around here. Maybe someone just set up a hunting tent for, you know, the upcoming hunting season. So we don't think much of it. But yeah, anyway, we uh, we continue a little bit, follow the trail, what, what little trail there is, until eventually find a nice camp spot in a little tiny thicket of trees on the edge of the, the cliff here. And, you know, these trees are small. They're probably not much taller than, I'd say, like maybe five or six feet. But yeah, so, you know, we're setting up camp and I'm getting the firing going and I hear what sounds like pitter-pattering down the trail coming towards us. So, you know, I perk up and look up and I see a a dog coming down the trail. It's like a, I don't know, like a Bernese Mountain dog or something, black and brown and maybe a little bit of white there too, coming down the trail right past our camp. And, you know, I'm waiting for, you know, the the hiker behind him to come, but there's no person with this dog. It's just alone which I found very, very odd, of course, because, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere, miles and miles from any road, and we haven't seen anyone else on the trail this entire time other than the very, very start. So I'm like, okay, well, uh, maybe this dog is lost. So I call out to it and I'll see if it can uh, join us so that when we get back to the truck, we could, I don't know, maybe uh, take it to, you know, the authorities and see if someone lost their dog. And this dog, you know, is just continuing on. It glances back at me. My brother sees it too. And it just glances at us and continues on down the trail, which, I mean, it just seemed like it, it knew where to go or like it was, you know, it had a destination in mind. But yeah, anyway, so it disappears down the trail a little bit and just past our camp is a little thicket of trees. And, you know, these trees are also kind of the same height, five, six feet. And I'm waiting for it to come out on the other side. You know, 30 minutes go by, an hour goes by. And I don't see it emerge on the other side. And, you know, you can see the trail going up the mountain on the other side of this thicket of trees. And I don't see the dog coming on the other side. And I'm like, 
well, it must still be in the trees. You know, it's just going to spend the night down there. And so, yeah, again, don't think much of it. But, uh, yeah, we get camp set up and, you know, the fire started without much issue and sun goes down. And, you know, we're like, all right, well, you know, it's beautiful out here. You know, we're on the flat tops. The stars are out. Let's just sleep outside tonight on a tarp. And so we do. And my brother gets up to go to the bathroom. It's pitch black. You cannot see a tree even if it was, you know, three feet ahead of you. There's no moon in the sky at all. It's just starlight, and that's it. And there's no lights in the distance either. We are the only people, you know, within miles and miles. And my brother immediately comes sprinting back to me. And, you know, in a, in a hushed whisper, he's like, dude, dude, I swear there's something that just was, like, running at me right now. And I'm like, what? No, you're full of shit. And he's like, no, seriously. And I know my brother. He's not the kind of person to make up a story for, you know, fame or or whatever. But yeah, I can tell he's genuinely terrified. And so, you know, at this point, I'm like, all right, well, we've got the Glock, you know, let's take the Glock and and our headlamps and stuff and investigate. And so, you know, we're looking through the night with these headlamps and they aren't very great. You know, you can, can't even really see down to the tree line very well. And, you know, I'm terror gripping the Glock at this point. And I'm like, you know, I didn't see it, I didn't hear it, but you know, my brother's obviously terrified and I believe him, right? So, you know, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going down in that tree line. Let's just go around the camp. And, you know, we're doing that for about, I'd say, 15 minutes or so. And we don't see anything. We don't hear anything. But, you know, my brother is like, let's bring all this into the tent. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. And, you know, we're both just sitting there staring up at the ceiling. I've got the Glock, like, you know, resting on my chest at this point. And I'm like, you know, we're both just too terrified to fall asleep. So we're sitting there for an hour until eventually, you know, we do fall asleep out of exhaustion and, you know, just keeping our ears out and we didn't hear anything else or, or see anything. And I don't think he saw it. He only heard it, but he described it as footprints, like someone sprinting towards him. Uh, and I was like, did it sound like a gallop, like a deer? And, you know, we've heard deer before and, and elk and stuff. We've gone hunting a number of times and, uh, He's like, no, it sounded like a like a person, or at the very least, something on two legs. And I'm like, okay, well, we both know we've heard stories of skinwalkers and wendigos and stuff like that, and we never really believed in it. But at this point, we're you know, we're completely alone, and it's pitch black, and we're like, well, I hope that we really survive this night, and you know, we do. You know, the sun comes up the next morning, nothing else happened. We walk on out of there, run into a few people, you know, say hello, wish them the best, and, uh, yeah, get back to the truck, no issues, and uh, drive on home. But, yeah, this happened, by the way, at the Flat Tops Wilderness Area near Meeker, uh, specifically near a place called the Devil's Causeway. It's on a trail system uh, going up and over there and down in the valley and then back up on the flat tops and backs up on itself. But, yeah, uh, it happened practically just at the devil's causeway uh but yeah thank you so much and i appreciate what you guys do thank you ethan miller signing out bye thank you ethan miller you know i found a tent once and this one was all set up ready for use it was here in the desert side of the mountain for any locals listening it was near pinnacles just a cheap little pup tent set up about a hundred yards from the road. I think there was a sleeping bag inside. 
Now, it wasn't ripped open or anything. It was some bleached and weathered, but I didn't see any signs of his struggle or anything. So I didn't think to report it. The next time I made it out there, it was no longer there. So someone found it and cleaned it up. But it sure was strange. And speaking of strange, dear listener, are these odd occurrences that Ethan and his brother experienced related in any way? Or did these boys simply let a couple strange coincidences spook them on the mountaintop? And I do want to know who or what ran at Ethan's brother. It certainly sounds like there's strange activity in Flat Top's wilderness area. I'll to keep that place on my radar. Thanks again, Ethan, for sharing the entry. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do your thoughts ever start racing before bed or at other inconvenient times? One way to deal with something like that is to talk it out. Therapy can give you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative space and find some mental and emotional peace. Now, therapy has helped me stop overthinking and dwelling on things that are out of my control so I can now get more restful sleep. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which makes it convenient, flexible, and affordable. And if for some reason you aren't vibing with the therapist that you're matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Back to the spooky stuff. Now, folks, this next one comes to us anonymously from the state of Ohio. Hey, Derek. I'm calling from Ohio, just on the border of Greene County, close to Dayton, Wright Pat, all that. And I was just listening to season 13, episode 8, I believe, uh, about the caller who lives close to Wright Pat, who saw the pill-shaped UFO twice. So I just wanted to drop in and say my mother works in downtown Dayton. And a couple months ago, back in like probably September, October, she was on her way into work and was morning clear day she was with a friend that she also drove to work and they both saw an aircraft they said it was like pencil shaped vertical just like hovering over the city they were coming in from south on 75 kind of going through moraine and yeah saw a big chrome silver pencil just in the sky pencil shaped craft just floating around and as soon as they both acknowledged it and said something to each other, it just kind of vanished off into the horizon just in the snap of a finger. That's the first one. The second one, I have a friend. This friend, Shia, not a big believer in the uh, supernatural, extraterrestrial type stuff. Very straight-to-the-point type of gal. 
but she was driving into Dayton on like 35 from southwest and it was I think the end of summer 2018 and she was driving on the highway going she went to community college at the time so she was driving into the city it's probably about 9 a.m again clear sunny day and she saw just your classic flying saucer just hovering over the city and there was plenty of other people out on the highway she said nobody else seemed to react to it and she went to get her phone out for a picture and by the time she looked back it was completely gone so yep those are my uh my stories i love the show i especially love hearing calls that are so close to home like the the one that i'm referring to so keep up the good work and i hope you can use this thank you thank you caller for calling in now we all know that area of the country can be a little creepy So none of this comes to me as a surprise caller. But I do thank you for furthering the lore. Now folks, don't forget we still have plenty of this year's Monsters Among Us Halloween-themed t-shirt over in the shop. Now the long sleeves are almost sold out, but a restock is coming soon. Now this year's design was created by artist Adam Parnell Deal and features yours truly with some spooky Halloween monsters. The detail in this artwork is insane. You just gotta check it out. Now Sarah also created a special edition Blood Red Tie-Dye Remix of an old favorite design by artist and friend of the show, Brad Manning. Head on over to MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and click that shop tab to see all the awesome Halloween season designs. And order soon because they're going fast. Now this next entry takes us to the state of Washington, where Ash has a story for us. Hello Derek, my name is Ash and I'm calling from Washington State, but my call is regarding a time when I lived in Southern California. From the beginning of 2012 until autumn of 2014, I lived in Alpine, California. A small town about 16 miles as the crow flies from Lake Cuyamaca, which borders the Cuyamaca Rancho and Anza Borrego State Parks. I lived in Alpine Woods Apartments with my then-husband, now ex-husband, and my son, who was eight years old when we arrived. Shortly after moving into the apartment complex, my son began having conversations with an imaginary friend, though only in the privacy of his room. When questioned about it, he said, rather indignantly, that it was a secret. My husband at the time, and myself, assumed it to be typical childhood behavior and thought no more of it. It was less than a month later when I first caught a brief glance of a tall man walking down the hallway something which I immediately brushed off as morning grogginess, and this happened to me several times over the course of the next six months, but I took the moments as my own flights of fancy. It wasn't until late that summer, 
After my son had made many friends among the children living in the apartment complex, all of whom played in the grassy area right next to our patio, when I overheard them talking about the ghost man. In chatting with them, the children described occasionally seeing the same man that I myself had been seeing. He was a tall man, perhaps six foot in height, wearing a long, tan-colored duster, split up the center in the back, a detail that caught my eye most, as it tended to swirl when he walked. He wore dark pants and tall, dark boots and a black cowboy hat. I never did catch much of his face, a few glimpses that would make me guess he was in his late 50s or early 60s, with dark eyes, dark hair, uh, and a mustache. He was always walking away, always east, and always with a perceived sense of rushed determination. Knowing that the children had seen the same man gave some validity to what I had been seeing and allowed me to accept it as a part of living there. It was more than a year later when my husband at the time first saw him. He had just pulled into his parking space from work, and I could see him through the kitchen window. I watched him get out of the driver's side, and quickly look up at the living room window. He slammed the car door, rushed into the house, and with the door flung open, he turned to look at me and asked, Who is the man in the trench coat that just walked out of the living room? I got the impression that he thought I had a man visiting me. To him, I calmly replied, He is our ghost. In our two years living in that apartment... Only one other significantly strange event occurred aside from the occasional sightings of the man in the duster. One lazy summer Sunday, while lying in bed awake after sleeping in late, with the sun shining through the blinds, my now ex-husband and myself heard the crack of glass. I got up to check the window, assuming one of the neighborhood children had thrown a ball and broken the glass. But the window was fine. My ex got up and we, both standing by the bed, started looking around the room until the glass-breaking sound came again. It drew both our eyes to an empty drinking glass on one of the nightstands. Two large cracks zigzagged up the glass. Mere moments after realizing the sound had come from the glass, cracks began to spread and branch like lightning over the surface of the drinking glass with an audible glass cracking noise. This continued for oh, about 10 seconds until the glass quite literally fell into pieces. Now it was common for both of us to have a glass of water on our nightstands. Never before nor afterwards had we had a glass break in such a way. As such, I have no explanation for how and why it broke. In October of 2014, myself, my then-husband, and my son moved 
from Alpine Woods Apartments to a house we bought on North Peak at Lake Cuyamaca, California. A small residential patch nestled between the Cuyamaca Rancho State Park and the Anza Borregos Desert State Park. We noticed directly that doors in the home would open and then immediately close again. This would not have sparked any notice if it had only been swinging doors, as air movement from open windows can easily open or close interior doors. The doors moving in the house, though, included not only bedroom doors, but also cupboards and the sliding screen doors. For doors of these types, my ready explanation falls short. It was almost always the sound of the doors that myself or my family noticed. The sound of opening and closing doors was very apparent in a quiet home with quiet surroundings. Sometimes I would rush to see the door move, but almost always missed any sight of it. One notable occasion, though, on a late spring afternoon in 2015, while standing on the balcony connected the bedroom and the living room sliding doors, while speaking with my then-husband, I was facing the patio door to the bedroom. The glass door was open, and only the screen door portion was closed, as was typical to let the fresh air in. The screen door slid open about a foot and a half. We both stopped speaking, and I could see my ex's eyes slide to the side as I was watching the door. He did not turn his head, and I did not move. The door slid closed again. We held still a few moments and then continued our conversation. We had decided early on not to make a fuss, nor discuss it while at home. Whatever it might be, it hadn't caused us any trouble, so we didn't want to say anything to disturb it. Now, at this point in the explanation, one would probably think that we had moved from a haunted apartment to a haunted home. There is one more point, though, which does not seem to correspond with typical ghost stories that I've heard. It ate food would disappear from, well, not from the fridge or cupboards, only food left on counters or tables. If I weren't often alone in the house, with my husband at the time being in the military, and my son at school or often visiting friends' homes, I'd have readily chalked the food's disappearance to the hungry males of the household. One occurrence stands out in my memory. I was at home alone in the summer of 2015. It was morning, and I was making a sandwich, with the sun pouring through all the windows into the kitchen. As I finished making the sandwich and placed it on a plate, intending to take it up to the mezzanine to eat, I heard the bedroom door open. I rushed to the door and just caught the sight of it shutting, while at the same time hearing the sliding door in the bedroom open. I walked into the bedroom as the bedroom patio door shut, but there was no one in sight. I walked out onto the patio, looked around, walked over to the living room patio door. There was no one on the patio or in the yard, nor had anyone circled back into the open living room and kitchen. 
I walk through the living room patio door to the kitchen. That full circuit had taken maybe two to three minutes. But my sandwich was gone, and the plate held only a few crumbs. After that, I made a point of leaving out a few snacks rather regularly, when at home alone or before going out for my daily hikes. I have never heard of a ghost that seems to have a marked preference for finger sandwiches and crackers. Thank you, Ash. The other night, Sarah and I were scrolling the television. We were on Hulu or something. And we came across this documentary, or maybe it's a true crime series, called Frogging, Hider in My House. Now, it's not spelled the way you would think it's spelled. It's spelled P-H-R-O-G-G-I-N-G. And I like fat with a P-H. Frogging with a P-H. Anyway, the term caught both of our attention, so we read the description. And that's when this little nightmare was introduced. Now, according to the description on this listing, a frogger is someone that's secretly living inside someone else's home. Now, we've covered stories like this in the past. That's not really our thing here. But when Ash mentioned that her ghost ate food off the counter, that's the first thing I could think of. Perhaps there really was a man with a duster living somewhere in the home. I'm not sure which is a more frightening concept. Now, Ash actually touched on it a bit, but her encounters took place in or near the Borrego Triangle, the subject of David Flora and I's documentary film. Now, folks, you can go catch this film in theaters at the Inglewood Cinema in Inglewood, Ohio on September 22nd at the Salina Art Center in Salina, Kansas on November 2nd. There's going to be a digital Q&A after that one. And I don't have dates just yet, but I have listings coming up in Boise, Idaho and Omaha, Nebraska. Now, I'll keep everyone posted as the schedule advances. But if you'd like to keep tabs yourself, go to borregotriangle.com and click the theater screenings tab. All the info is right there. Now up next, we hear from Wes, down in Arkansas. Hey Derek, what's going on, man? I was listening to... My name's Wes from Arkansas. I was listening to the show last night, and there was a story that I heard. I'm kind of jumping around, so I'm not sure which episode it was, but it was a woman reporting what seemed to be a Bigfoot sort of story from, like, north of the Arctic Circle, where she lived with her husband, and she had talked about, like, the lumber field he was clearing, and he heard the whistles, and it scared him so bad, and his dog, and all that stuff. So, I have a similar story. This story takes place in Tallahena, Oklahoma. And in 2014, I was going to the rehab center there, which I'm, I'm Choctaw Indian. And uh, 
I got that service for free because they're really cool with their people. And uh, I was playing chess with a guy one night. First of all, the building itself is constructed over what used to be the old tuberculosis hospital in Tallahena, Oklahoma. And part of the structures are still standing and they're just incredible looking. But I was playing chess with this guy and coincidentally enough, my cousin was there. And I don't smoke cigarettes. Everyone else was smoking cigarettes and I was playing chess. He came inside. He was like, hey man, you gotta come out here and check out this whistling. So I was like, okay. And it was close to lights out, whatever, when they lock all the doors and, you know, you have to go to bed, basically. So I walk out there and they were like, whistle. And the tree line is, I want to say like 25 yards off or something like that. So I whistle out and it sounded like when I did it, I tried to make it loud, like, like that. And... What I got back from beyond the tree line, and it sounded like robust. It didn't sound weak. It didn't sound thin. It sounded really like kind of like a thick sound, right? And so what I heard from the tree line, it was like, like that. And then I repeated it again, and I got the same result twice. And then by this time, there was like three people out there before. There was only one left. And then I was approaching the tree line and doing it again. And I go, and then like on the other side of the building, around the corner that I couldn't see from where I was at to the left, I heard this huge metallic crash. Now there was, there's a gazebo over there with these like big heavy metal tables. It's like thick mesh metal you know, and the chairs to go with it. And I'm sure that those chairs weighed probably 30 pounds at least a piece. And it was just this huge noise. It's metal on metal just crashing. The other guy, he's gone by now. And I go around the corner to see what might have done that. And I don't see anything. Of course, it takes me a while to get around the corner, but I do see the chair about seven feet away from the table. And at that point, it was almost lights out time, so I stayed until the worker guy came and said, all right, you know, come on in. We're going to lock the doors. Like, you know, it's uh, lights out time or whatever. But I was waiting to see if they were messing with me, and I don't believe that they were. I think that that was just something weird, something I can't explain. My dad, he's from rural Oklahoma, and he's actually a Bigfoot guy, <laughs> but... He suggested that they might have been birds, but it was like the same matching tone every time. I don't know. Do with that what you will. But I thought you might find it interesting. I really enjoy the podcast, man. It's really uh, been a good medium for me lately. So I appreciate it, bud. Thank you, Wes. Now, if there's anything we've learned on this show over the past seven or eight years, is that the state of Oklahoma is surprisingly home to creatures that reportedly look, act, and sound like the other creatures reported throughout the country. Upright hairy humanoids that some people refer to as Bigfoot. Well, thanks again, Wes, for sharing that entry. 
It's always great to hear a story out of Oklahoma. And let's keep this party rolling. We'll head on up to Canada, where Bry is waiting with an entry. Hi, Derek. This is Bry calling from Ontario, Canada again. Uh, I was just calling to talk about a ghost sighting that I had in my hometown. This was about 18 years ago. I believe I was 14. I was living in a little town called Belleville, Ontario. Actually, it's more of a city. But uh, this was, I think it was a summer night. It was late at night. It was me, my sister, and a friend of my sister went to a little band get-together at a community hall. We were leaving, I think, around 10 o'clock at night. We were walking up, uh, I believe it was a street named Catherine Street, when I seen a, at first I thought it was just like a cloud of smoke, but then I realized that it had the shape of a human. So when I looked up at it, I noticed that it was walking towards us. And then as it got to us, it didn't stop, it just kept walking and he walked right through my sister's friend and I look at them like do you not see that like did you not just see that and they're looking at me like I'm crazy and it's like we see nothing I told him it's like I swear I've just seen a ghost walk right through you there's nothing here there's no one here Pretty much just chalked it off as I'm just seeing things. But over the next years following that incident, I've noticed that the ghostly figure started to become more of the actual shape of a human rather than like a cloudy, misty looking figure. Each time I saw him, he had more and more detail to his figure. So I never could see his face. He's always wearing a baggy hoodie and with a baseball cap on his head with a hood over top. His face was always looking down, so I never got to see his face. I don't know if anybody else has seen him too. He never seemed to want to hurt me. He just seemed to want to just, I guess, stand by and watch. But I never got a sense of aggression or anything to indicate that he wanted to harm me. He just stood by and just watched over me. So after a few times seeing him, I started to feel comfort in it. I still to this day have no idea as to who this figure was or if something traumatic happened in that area that it just has like a lingering spirit. I don't know if anybody else has seen it or has anything quite similar, but I would love to hear anybody else's experiences as well. Love the show. I'm still binge listening. And I gotta say, I'm addicted. Have a good night. 
Thank you, Bri. You know, I hear this argument all the time. Why do ghosts always appear in 19th century garb? Victorian era. Something like that. It's never something contemporary. A spirit in blue jeans and sneakers. Well, thanks to Bri, that's no longer the case. Because in my mind, a hoodie and baseball cap, that's current enough. Thank you, Bri, for dispelling a myth. And for sharing your terrifying entry. Now, folks, I'm running out of time here, so I need to speed things up a bit. So let's just shoot off to Utah, where Jeff is waiting with a call. Hey, Derek. My name is Jeff Call. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Big fan of your show. Listen to it every night. I have been for quite some time, man, so really appreciate that. But uh, I've been wanting to call for a long time, and, you know, I've just had a lot of paranormal things happen to me, and I can't really explain why. But anyways, I uh, went down to St. George, Utah, and was just going to do some camping, canyoneering, things like that. Anyways, I stopped off for some gas, and just things started getting weird. I looked across the street. And uh, there was a grocery store, but it looked like they were doing some construction. And it it, it was probably about maybe a couple, maybe about 100 yards. And I'm looking out front. And you know those cargo, kind of like the cargo ships where they, you know, do the storage and you put stuff in. You see them on the, you know, cargo ships. So anyways, I'm looking at them. And it looks like little people running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I just kind of had to like close my eyes and just like double take on what it was. Like I, I didn't get it. And they had these vests on, like worker vests. And I'm just like, man, this is just a trip. And so anyways, I drove over there and there was nothing there. And it was weird. They were going from, from one of the containers to the next and to the next and to the next and it's it's probably maybe like 11 o'clock so anyways I go out into the desert and I'm in my vehicle and kind of get my tent set up and things like that I bought some new night vision so you know that's a wonderful place to use it and just exploring so anyways I'm looking up on the ridge line and it's dark now and I'm using my night vision, and then all of a sudden I see that somebody is up there. And keep in mind, it's mostly desert, but there's some, you know, some slot canyons that you can go in. But it looked like this guy or something was up there. And it was just this little lantern, you know, just this little light. But it looked like it was going up and down, up and down. And then I'm like, that's weird. It must be just somebody camping up there. And um, I had some binoculars, too, and tried to, you know, it was far away. And I couldn't really tell exactly what it was, but it was just kind of trippy. So, anyways, about 45 minutes to an hour later, I see two headlights coming down the ridge. And at this point, it's kind of raining a little bit. And it's coming down, coming down. It's kind of like winding down and then all of a sudden it gets kind of closer to me at the bottom and then it just stops 
just stops and then the lights go off. Well, at this point, it's close enough to, to where I can see it. And, you know, everything's green in this night vision. So I'm looking at it and it's kind of like a 1970s, like an old RV. The guy gets out of it and there's bikes on top. And this guy is scrambling to figure stuff out. I'm, I mean, he's there's kind of like a little berm, a little dirt berm. And he's running behind it. He's running behind his uh, RV. He's opening up the door. He's running over to the berm. And it looks like everything is in fast forward. And then he goes back into the RV, gets back out, grabs a shovel and starts digging. Starts digging. And then all of a sudden he disappears. And I'm like, holy smokes. It was so weird that I called my dad. I'm like, dad, you got to check this out. I mean, I, so anyways, I started doing a video of the guy and, or I think that's what he was. I don't know. Just so bizarre. Anyways, he pops back out and I've never seen anything quite like this. And he starts digging and then he goes, runs over on a hill, lays down on his back. And then goes back down, starts digging, and then just disappears again. And then I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, he pops his head up over the berm. And I'm looking at his face. And he has this long, curly hair. But it looked like his, his face was completely melting. It was probably one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life but at the same time this kind of stuff is not supposed to happen like what i witnessed was paranormal i just cannot believe what i saw so anyways hey i really appreciate all the work that you've put in i look forward to you know the episodes when they come out yeah i appreciate it keep up the good work Derek. you're the best ever so we'll talk to you later thanks bye-bye thanks jeff And I'll be honest here, I think Jeff is lying straight to our faces. Best ever. Not even close. But I do appreciate those kind words, Jeff. And as far as the desert's concerned, all sorts of weird things take place out there. And I can attest, I've spent my fair share in the desert over these past 15 or so years. In fact, I would venture as far as to say that if you're in the desert and you don't see something weird, well, that's weird in itself. And those little people, what the hell was that? Reminds me of those little builder guys on Fraggle Rock, the Jim Henson series on HBO from way back in the early 80s. Used to love that show. Anyway, this probably won't be the last you hear about these little people here this evening. But until then, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you again, Jeff, for taking the time to share that story. And thank you for taking the time to tune in. Now, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. Follow us on social media, like us on YouTube, 
rate and review where possible. And be sure to look for us on Internet Radio, Sundown 96.6, and the Unex Network. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you again for listening. Keep it spooky out there. And I'll catch you here next week. Have a good night. secret story is that little person revisit I promised you. So please join me in welcoming our anonymous submitter from the state of Mississippi. Uh, Hey Gary, I won't stay anonymous for this, but I live over in Lauderdale County, Mississippi. I was just on my route and it's like 1230 and I was pulling out of the house that I was at. I thought it was like one of them garden home things sitting there uh, in front of the house. And then I was backing up, you know, I kind of paying attention, looking around. And I cut my eyes back around and I see the thing run. It took off running through the woods. It was like a little jockey, though. I'm not really sure what it was. I don't remember seeing I go to this house once a week doing a route. Not really sure what it was. It's weird. I don't, I don't know. Thank you, caller. Well, I don't know a lot about these little people's stories, but what I do know is that a majority of them seem to be focused here on the West Coast. At least in my experience, it's not all that common that you hear of one east of the Mississippi. So that makes this entry pretty exciting, caller. So thanks for sending it in. Now, folks, don't forget you can get bonus content, probably about 100 hours worth now, for only $5 a month by joining our Patreon campaign. Just visit patreon.com, then search for Monsters Among Us podcast. The $1 level will get you ad-free episodes. The $5 level unlocks a world of bonus material. Again, that's patreon.com, and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Now for you Beyond members, tonight's going to be just a little bit different as well. As you may be able to hear, I'm still recovering from COVID. I pretty much feel okay, but the voice just isn't where it used to be. It's nothing time can't fix. But for tonight, I'm going to hang up the headphones. But I don't want to leave you guys hanging like I did last week. And my apologies for that. 
time just got away from us. So tonight, to avoid that issue, I'm going to play a couple calls back to back. Sans commentary. Sort of like a paranormal answering machine. We'll see what